And I'll tell you again, we're going to start this morning with part of a lengthy passage that I want to explore with you today. And the better part comes tonight. Let me just tell you that. So let me invite you to come back out and worship with us this evening at 6 o'clock as we'll finish what the Lord has to say to us in this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This morning, we're going to begin our reading in uh, verse number 7, read down through verse 12, but we'll finish this longer section of Scripture tonight. So I have people in the room looking at every face that's in here. And again, like I told you before, if you're not back tonight, I'm going to bring it to your house. (laughs) So just be ready for it. Uh, No, I I really won't do that. I know some of you may not be able to be here tonight, and if you can't, it's a good thing that this will be on our Facebook Live presentation. You can catch up with it there. Uh, But I am telling you the truth. I have to set the stage with the earlier verses this morning to really get into uh, the good gravy of this tonight. So uh, I hope you will be able to come back and worship with us. But I want to talk to you today about displaying our treasure from a humble vessel. And Paul writes to the church at Corinth in chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians, talking about the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ and how that is packaged within us being the humble vessels that we really are. And so let's stand together, if you would, and you're able, as we read from our passage this morning. Again, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm going to begin reading this morning in verse 7 and read down through verse 12. The Bible says, But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be, manifest, might be made manifest in our body. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, so that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. Let's pray together, Lord. I want to thank you again for your word. It is a perfect treasure, Father, for us, for the living of these days. And God, we want to praise you this morning for the gospel of Jesus and how it has changed our lives and, Lord, how it is changing lives of people, men and women, boys and girls, in the world today. And, Father, I pray that you help us Understand your plan for our lives. Help us, Lord, to understand that even though we live in weakness, one day we will live for eternity in power. 
But Father, you have a plan to use that weakness so that the world may see Jesus. And I pray that this morning we're able to grasp that. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. And amen. Thank you for standing with me. Would you please be seated? I don't know about you, but I grew up, of course, in church all of my life. And I'm thankful for the kids that came out and sang this morning because it takes me back to the Sunday school songs that I learned in church when I was a little fella. How many of you remember some of those songs? You know, we would sing, Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and wee little man was he, climbed up on the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. My favorite was always, I'm in the Lord's army, you know, because that's just what boys like to think about and talk about. I may never shoot the artillery, etc., but I get to do it spiritually because I'm in the Lord's army. But I'll tell you, one of the Sunday school songs that recurs in my heart is one that has everything to do with the text that we've just read together this morning. It's a great song that just instilled in our little hearts years ago the passion for the gospel of the Lord Jesus and how it is really a light that needed to come and still needs to come out of our lives. This little light of mine, you remember it, right? And I particularly love that part of the song that says, Hide it under a bushel. Yeah, y'all remember this. Hide it under a bushel. I'm going to do what? Let it shine. Won't let Satan blow it out. I'm going to let it shine. And then the last part. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm going to let it shine. Well, my friends, we need to be people who let our little lights shine. We had a song that we would sing often in my childhood church that came out of the old hymnal that we would use there, and it was simply entitled, Let the Lower Lights Be Burning. How many of you remember that? Some of you don't. That's okay. You can go home and Google it and you can find it. But there's this beautiful old hymn that came from a story that the great evangelist D.L. Moody once told in a message that he preached. And it was a story of how one of the old Great Lakes steamers was making its way from one place to the other and they ended up trying to traverse Lake Erie one night when it became very, very stormy, and they were actually trying to land at the harbor up in Cleveland, Ohio. And that night, as they approached the harbor, they saw the great light, the big light, the lighthouse. But the problem was, in Cleveland in those years, the lower lights needed to be illuminated because of the jagged shoals that they would have to navigate to get into the harbor. And so the story goes that night, as the ship started to navigate its way into the harbor, again, they saw the lighthouse, 
but someone or some people had forgot to illuminate the lower lights. And so the pilot began to cry out to those who were watching, where are the lower lights? And obviously the answer was, we can't see the lower lights. And the pilot said this, either we navigate into the harbor or we all die tonight. So what happened that night, the ship went down, it sank in Lake Erie, and only two people lived to tell the story. And that's where D.L. Moody had heard the story. And so as he preached and told that story in a great service that night, his worship leader went back to his hotel room and he began to write down those words, let the lower lights be burning, send a gleam across the wave. Some poor seaman, struggling, fainting, you may rescue, you may save. I'm thankful that I can report to you this morning that the lighthouse will always be illuminated. (laughs) Satan, in all of his fury, tried to put out the lighthouse. And the lighthouse went to a cross upon which he died and he shed his blood for the remission of your sins and my sins. And his dead body was lowered into a grave on Friday. But thanks be to God, Sunday morning came. And when Sunday morning came, the stone was rolled away and the lighthouse stepped up out of the grave and he lives forevermore and the light of his lighthouse will never, ever be extinguished. But my friends, to you and to me, he gives the purpose of sending out the lower light. I want you to hear me closely this morning. You might be the only light that somebody this week might see. There are people in your life, people with whom you cross paths on a daily basis that may not be in the Word of God. They're not sitting here in these pews this morning but they're out and they're trying to navigate the stormy sea of life and for them to make it into the harbor safely. We can rest assured that the great lighthouse will always be illuminated, but my friend, we need to shine the lower lights. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul is talking about here in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. This same idea that we sang in the little Sunday school song, Let My Little Light Shine, it stands behind Paul's writing right here in these verses. We cannot stifle the gospel which has changed us. But we must let the gospel shine. We must showcase it. And Paul teaches us to do it right here in this text. Now, we'll say much more about it tonight, but to set the stage, I want you to see that Paul here is talking about displaying the gospel by embracing your frailty. I want you to get this down. This is the only point that we're going to talk about this morning. 
how it is that we live in weak vessels, how we live often in weakened conditions. But our job is to embrace that frailty and let the gospel shine forth. So from the outset, we really have to answer two questions about verse 7 of our text. Notice again that Paul writes, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Another way to translate that terminology, earthen vessels, is jar of clay. That's who we are. That's what we right now live in. We live in these earthen vessels, these jars of clay, so that the excellency of the power of God, it may be on Him and not on us. So question number one is, what is this treasure? Paul talks about the fact that we have a treasure in this jar of clay, in this earthen vessel. And then he also talks about the jar of clay or the earthen vessel itself. So let's answer those two questions. What is the treasure? What are these jars of clay? Well, the treasure is identified all the way back in verse 4 of this chapter of Scripture. And the treasure is nothing less than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Every believer is a recipient of the priceless message of the gospel. Notice in verse 4 that we're told we are bearers of the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. That's who you are more than you're anything else. A lot of times you'll meet People And people will ask you, well, who are you? You give them your name. Where do you live? You tell them where you live. And then often the next question is, what do you do? And you talk about your career. Or you talk about your former career and how now you're retired and you get to do anything you want to do. But you talk about what you do. How about it if somebody were to ask you that question and you would just give them this answer... Here's who I am, here's who I live, and here's what I do. I display the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that whatever you do, wherever you do it, you can display the gospel of Jesus. Do you understand this? More important than what I do as a preacher and standing before churches or standing before lost people and sharing an evangelistic message, more important than that is the importance of what you do on a daily basis. In your place of work, in your community, in the places you go, wherever you find your relaxation, wherever you are, it's more important for you to display the light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. So try that out sometime. The next time somebody asks you what you do, just say, I am one who displays the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now you can't do that and be a hypocrite. You know, you can't live however you want to live according to the flesh and then look somebody in the eye and say, I'm a person who displays the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll get called on that very quickly. 
But living your life for the glory of God, that's who you are as a believer. You're someone who displays the gospel. That's your treasure. Everybody hold up your thumb. Hold it up. Give me a thumbs up. Now turn that thing around. Look at it. I want you to repeat after me. I'm a thumbbody. You won't forget that, will you? You're a thumbbody. You're a somebody today. Nobody, child of God, has a role more critical or more important than your role. You're a somebody because within you, you have a treasure. What more treasure can someone have than the gospel of Jesus? What is the gospel of Jesus? It's simply this, that God robed up and wrapped up in human flesh and He came down and He lived a perfect life because He was the God-man. 100% God at the same time, 100% human. And He was given to all the frailties that you and I are given to. He had illnesses. He lost sleep. He had pressures in his life, yet he never sinned. God-man came down, lived a perfect life so that he could go to the cross where he became sin for you and for me. Jesus did not die on the cross as some type of a moral example, but Jesus died on the cross as your sin-bearer. Bled out his perfect blood for the forgiveness of your sins and for, as John writes in 1 John, for the forgiveness of the sins of the world. As I said earlier, placed into a grave, three days later came up out of the grave, spent 40 days upon the earth proving his resurrection And then at the end of the 40 days, he ascended back to the right hand of the Father where he lives forevermore. And one day soon, he is coming again. That is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's always been the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as long as there's been a gospel, it has had the power to save souls. And that same gospel has the power to save souls today. That's the gospel. That's the treasure that's within you. So what is this treasure? The treasure is the gospel, but what are these earthen vessels? What are these jars of clay? Well, those are us. I'd love to pick you up one of these days when conditions over there get better and take you to some places in Israel. And I promise you, in most places where we would go, you could look down at the ground and you would see shards of these earthen pots, these clay pots, these jars of clay. And here's what I want you to know about them. They were everywhere. That's why you still find the little shards to this day. They were mundane. 
They were common, everyday, unspectacular things in the first century. If you could go back to Paul's day, everywhere you went, you would see these jars of clay. The wealthy had them. The poor had them. The middle class had them. They were very necessary to transport something you purchased perhaps at a store or something for which you traded. For you to get that back home, you had to have something to carry it in, and this is what you would bring it back home with. But here was the problem. They were very frail, just earthen vessels, just clay pots. And one little bump, one little bit of pressure could cause the clay to break or even crush. I began to think about what do we have in our day in 2023? What do we have and what do we use in our modern lives that are similar to these jars of clay? And now you see it. This was the best I could come up with to give you a comparison. I almost guarantee you that somewhere in your house right now, you have something that looks like this, right? Nod your head like this. It gets out of control, doesn't it? You know, when I go to Walmart or Kroger or to Lowe's, I end up going to Lowe's way too much. But when I go to those places, if I have just a few things that I can carry out with me without one of these daggone bags, that's what I do. If just two or three things, if I can get it out to my car without one of these bags, I don't take the bag and the little girl, the little boy working at the cash register looks at me like I have two heads and I just say, look, we've got enough of those in the house. You get it. I'm telling you that when people come along if the Lord tarries his coming for another 2,000 years and they dig up evidence of us like we dig up evidence of those who lived in the Holy Land all those years ago, this is what they'll find. They'll be everywhere. They're ordinary. They're frail. My oldest son, Alistair, a few years ago, uh, worked started working. He worked there for a couple of years, but worked at uh, the Kroger in Somerset, I guess probably the summer before his junior year of high school, started working there. And I, I loved to ask him when he came home from work every night, uh, who did you see? You know, who came through your line at Kroger? Uh, what did you do today? Or what did you learn today? I think it's important for people to reflect on what they learn when they're working those early jobs and one day, Alistair came home and I said, well, son, what did you learn today at Kroger? And this is what he told me. I'll never forget it. He said, Dad, I learned that you don't put a bunch of bananas and a big jar of pickles in the same sack. <laughs> so you know what he had done? He had taken this, this sack, these plastic grocery sacks, and, and he had put big jar of pickles down there and, and a bunch of bananas. And you know how the bananas have that hard stem where the bunch comes together? And so the stem had poked a hole in the bag and the bag ripped apart. And you can imagine when he pulled it up and he tried to put it in the lady's car, 
the pickles just went everywhere. So I just share that with you to help you understand what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. That's what our lives are like. And may I say to you this morning, if I've learned anything over the last several months of my life, I've learned how very fragile and frail life is. I want you to understand something. You may be here this morning and you feel like you're 10 feet tall and bulletproof. No, you're not. Life is fragile. Life is like one of those flimsy bags. Life, Paul says, is an earthen vessel. It's a jar of clay. That's our frail physical bodies. But I want you to get this. In that frailty, we carry the greatest treasure on planet earth, the gospel of Jesus Christ. In that frailty, in that vulnerability, we have within us the light of the gospel. Paul likens this powerful message uh, of the treasure proclaimed through frail, brittle pots. I want you to think for a moment what God could do. God is not limited in His resources. God owns it all. Scripture says that He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. I heard a preacher many years ago that was preaching on that, and he said, not only does God own the cattle on a thousand hills, but He owns the taters under the hills. He owns it all. God is unlimited in His resources, and God is omnipotent in His power. He can do all things. And so, had God wanted to display the gospel through angelic beings, He could have done that. If God wanted to display the gospel through direct visions and dreams, that would have been up to His prerogative. But God, for His glory and for His purposes, has decided in eternity past that He would reveal this glorious treasure of the gospel through us. Us! Through me! So many times I wonder, God... Why us? Why me? Why would you take me? Let alone everybody else. Why would you take me and display the gospel through me? Well, again, the answer is at the end of verse 7 of the text. Here's why God does it. That the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. God is glorified to take a weak earthen vessel, a simple person like you and like me, and display His gospel. You are a somebody. 
Because God takes you in your limitedness and in your frailty. And He shows Rockcastle County the gospel of Jesus through you. Don't miss it. Through you, God shows the gospel. And the next two verses reveal what Paul felt and how we ought to feel as fragile jars of clay, as earthen vessels. He he, he uses those adjectives, uh, afflicted, perplexed, persecuted, struck down. Those present very powerful images, don't they? We're afflicted, we're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. Let me work with those for just a moment with you. Afflicted, afflicted rather, it carries the idea of pressure. It's the same word that was used of stamping out the juice in a wine press. Can you imagine placing the grapes in a wine press and the rock would roll over those grapes and apply pressure and the juice would flow out. Extreme pressure may squeeze us, but God says here it won't crush us. We're perplexed. That means to be at a loss. Have you ever been honestly at a loss? If you haven't been, you will be someday. You're disoriented by by problems, by mishaps, by tragedies, by challenges. We are sometimes, as William Barclay says, we're at our wit's end, but thanks be to God, we're never at our hope's end. So this confusion doesn't lead us to ultimate despair, to a place where we have no hope. Then he talks about affliction and perplexment. Those come as a result of being persecuted and struck down. But I want you to listen to me, child of God, this morning. If you don't hear anything else I say today, listen to me closely. When we're perplexed, we are not forsaken. And when we're struck down, we are not destroyed. We may be knocked down, but through the power of the gospel and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are not knocked out. Christ is never more visible And the power of the gospel is never more evident than when others can see us in our cracked jars of clay and they have to stand back and say, there's only one way. There's only one way. He can put one foot in front of the other. There's only one way. She can make it through the day to the next day. And that one way is the sustaining grace of God. Some of the very best people I've known in life have walked through some of the most difficult trials. You know them. Think about one particular family, dear family to my life. 
fact, in reference to them, I say to some of my family members, they're, they're the Weeble family. You remember that? Weebles wobble, but they don't fall down. I'm telling you, they get over one thing and something else strikes. They've gone through disease, they've gone through loss, they've gone through death in the family. But I was just with one of the members of that family a few weeks ago. And he spent moments talking to me about the grace of God. And I look back and I think about them and I say, you know what? Only by God's grace. Only by the sustaining presence of the Holy Spirit is that possible. So beloved, that's what we do. We showcase the gospel through our frailty. It's the paradox, literally, of the Christian life. In these temporary jars of clay, verses 10 through 12, as we close, listen again. We are always carrying in the body of death, in the body, the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. I'm a dying man speaking this morning to dying people. We understand it. We embrace it because we have a great future and a great hope. And you come back tonight, I'm going to do everything I can do to preach that hope to you. But listen, here's the question we have to entertain as we close this morning. In my weakness, in my frailty, through my bumps and my bruises, through the perplexments, through the pressure, through the problems, am I allowing the glorious gospel, the light of the gospel, shine through? I want you to think about it. If that's what we are, an earthen vessel with a lid on top, carrying the light of the gospel, how better can the gospel get out than when it shines through the cracks? Through the cracks of your life, through the disappointments, are you allowing Jesus to shine through so that somebody lost somebody hurting, somebody without the hope of Jesus living in their lives can see the Lord and come to Him. Would you stand with me this morning, bow your heads. Our musicians are on their way to the platform. In just a moment, we're going to begin singing
a hymn of response. And today, perhaps the Lord has spoken to you. Maybe you're here this morning, and like for me and my family, life recently has been tough. Maybe not the same things, but the disappointments are there, and life has been tough. Perhaps God is saying to you today, change your prayer. Sometimes we get very egocentric and we pray, Lord, take the pain away. Mend the brokenness. And in His time and His way, He does that. But are you willing to say to Him, Lord, let the gospel shine through the brokenness. Let the gospel, let the light of Jesus permeate my community as it pours out through the cracks in my earthen vessel. Perhaps you need to come forward this morning. Maybe you need to get down on your knees before the Lord. Maybe God has made some type of plan for your life and you need to be obedient to it today. I'm going to ask you to come. Come forward. Come publicly. Let God have His way in your life. Maybe you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior. Answer me this question. How are you going to deal with the problems of life? When the world comes around you and the pressure is applied and your vessel starts the crack, you tell me how you're going to do it without Jesus. Come to Him today. Let Him save you today. Let Him use you today for His honor and for His glory. Oh God, we stand before You as earthen vessels, frail, weak. But Father, we embrace that today because in our weakness, Your strength is made perfect. And Father, I pray that today we would just be who we are, bumps, bruises, and all, and allow You to show the gospel through us. God, be honored, be glorified by how we make our decisions today. In Jesus' name, amen.